Welcome to the Focus Today podcast with Perry Atkinson. And uh, always a delight. Been looking forward to this. This is a guy that puts jalapeno on his cereal in the morning. Pastor Lucas Miles is with us. He's the host of the Lucas Miles Show, showing on Epoch TV, Church and State. He has been a pastor for over 20 years, uh, based out of South Bend, Indiana, University of Notre Dame. He is also the faculty, part of the faculty at Summit Ministries. I can't say enough about what these guys do. Absolutely great work. And the author of several books, including his latest one called Woke Jesus. And there's a picture of the cover of his book on the screen. He does have a website, lucasmiles.org. Hey, Lucas, good to see you, man. How are you? Perry, always, always a pleasure. Doing great. So is it jalapenos or is it something else you put on? <laughs> you know, I had I had steak and a piece of liver for breakfast this morning. That was that was where I started. So no, yeah, no. <laughs> Good to see you, brother. Um, Good to see you. Um, woke Jesus and uh, woke Christianity. Uh, this is so amazing to me. Um, how would you describe woke Christianity? Yeah, I mean, it, it really, this is a uh, it's a hybrid between Christianity and Marxism. It's the the form, the language, the the structure at times of Christianity with the messaging and ideology of Marxism. And they put these two things together. Uh, they call it progressive Christianity or conscious Christianity. You'll hear that term as well now. Um, woke, you know, woke church. Uh, and ultimately, as we know, woke Christianity is not Christianity. It's it's a heresy. Um, but it looks close enough to a lot of people on the surface that it's very deceptive and it's leading a lot of people astray. Your title, Woke Jesus. Um, really? <laughs> How do you explain that? <laughs> you know, look, it's, uh, I wish we didn't have to, honestly. I, I, I always joke, I, I'd much rather write books about, you know, just developing your prayer life yeah. or having a better relationship with the Lord. But but there's so much confusion on the subject. I really, you know, felt like the Lord was just leading me to help people navigate through this. And and it's tough because, you know, woke, you know, we extreme wokeism is fairly easy to recognize. Mm -hmm. You know, if you pull up to a church and and they're flying a, you know, Marxist BLM flag or a rainbow flag above the cross and and you know elevating that higher than Jesus, then there's probably a good sign you're in a woke church. Um, when you see, you know, LGBT clergy, this sort of thing. What's difficult is the this sort of the in between, the entry level, um, uh, the more, you know, uh, the subterfuge that is happening with wokeism. This this uh, uh, trying to, um, you know, kind of hijack Christianity um, through sort of the back door, and that's where people are attending churches for a while, and they don't know whether or not their pastor's woke. They don't know what their pastor feels about the issues because the pastor's not talking directly about the issues, but they're kind of slowly leading the congregation towards this cliff. Uh, and sometimes it's it's almost too late when you find out. So I really wanted to give people a tool that they can identify this early on and know what they can do about it. All right, we're seeing the squeeze. We're feeling the squeeze. And, uh, you know, the other day I came across something that was interesting. You know, Back in my days, the youth pastor basically was in charge of car washes and barbecues. <laughs> yeah. Now the youth pastor has a young person coming to them, perhaps in middle school, saying, I'm thinking about transitioning. Yeah. He takes that, you know. he takes that to the senior pastor and the church erupts. I mean, we're in a whole other world here. Yeah. 
Look, I, I've said before that the church is not ready for what comes next. Uh, I mean, we're really not. And I wish we were. And look, I love the church. I'm optimistic about the kingdom of God. I think that some churches are ready. But I think holistically, the church as a whole and even the evangelical church is not fully ready for the level of trauma that's really walking in in, in her, her doors today. And it's um, look, it, it, you know, so many families are going through whether it's marital conflict, financial issues. Now we have on top of that this this gender and sexuality issues with our young people, especially. And and I think the church really has to work hard. We actually just I, I haven't even told you about this yet. We just created a partnership uh, with Walt Heyer. Uh, it's H-E-Y-E-R. Walt is, uh, um, he's in his 80s. He was one of the early uh, detransitioners. He lived as a, a quote-unquote transgendered woman from the ages of 42 to 50, uh, found Jesus, you know, just, you know, became transformed. And now he's helping people who are, you know, have, uh, um, you know, really experienced trauma that is leading them to the sexual confusion and gender confusion. And so we've really recently created a partnership with him and his website, sexchangeregret.org. Uh, he's doing some just amazing stuff there. We're hoping to kind of ramp that up a bit with him. But look, um, you know, you're right. Pastors, uh, you know, in, in some ways, and I heard this from Walt, is that uh, the transgenderism is what anorexia was 20, 30 years ago. Hmm. Uh, when you were going through a crisis of identity, you know, when I was a kid, people became bulimic, anorexic. They had eating disorders and these things. They cut themselves, maybe. Now that is being, you know, displayed in this form of gender confusion. And so it's it's sort of the, the same issues, but it is uh, manifesting in kind of a, um, a much more dangerous way today. The stakes are higher. Okay. Um, so I think pastors are somewhat at their wits end. We have a yeah. Another ministry here is called Pastors Monday, and what we've learned out of this is um, they really are at a breaking point. I mean, it, there's so much pressure to talk about it, not talk about it, uh, bring it up in a sermon, not bring it up in a sermon. They're cracking up. They're leaving. Um, yeah. they're, they're, they've had it. They didn't sign up for this. <laughs> they didn't go to seminary to sign up for this. Yeah. I mean, we're in a pastoral crisis in America uh, I'm not sure what the solution is, but uh, do you sense it? So I, I would push back on pastors that have that mindset. And I would say you should have went to seminary for this. Um, and if you didn't go to seminary to help people navigate culture and and still have an intimate, close relationship with Jesus, then what did you go for? Um, and because at the end of the day, all of these issues are theological first. Whether we're talking about the vaccine or COVID or, you know, mandates or, or gender or sexuality, these things, they, they don't necessarily, um, they, they might have implications, of course, in this horizontal realm, but they start at a spiritual, what I would call kind of that vertical component. Uh, and that is really, what does God say about me? Is God's word true? Uh, are we living according to God's created order? Uh, and I think that, you know, every one of these issues, theologically, I can walk up on a stage on and I can teach from the word of God uh, without being political about them, if somebody's concerned about that, and and talk about what does the word of God say about this? Our politics should line up with our faith. We're not trying to line up our faith with our politics. 
And I think if you approach it from that mindset, you you are 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 you should be empowered to speak boldly about these issues. Uh, this is why we launched the American Pastor Project, AmericanPastorProject.org, to help pastors, you know, really find their confidence again in these issues, to train them so they have the language, they know how to deal with these things. Look, I had a learning curve on this. I didn't know, you know, I, I didn't know what all the different genders were that people were talking about. I didn't know, understand, you know, how to address all the issues in Marxism. But I put in the work over the last 10 years, you know, really studying these things out, meeting with experts, you know, traveling, learning, reading. Uh, and, and you know, this is this is part of the job today. And I think that in some ways it's always been part of the job. I just think we were asleep on the job for a while in the church. It's been said the culture knows more about what the church and Christianity believes than we who are in Christianity should know what we believe. Yeah, you know, this is this is we're living in a generation where for the first time um, the 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 what is said inside of a church is sort of open to the public. Um, you know, with live streaming and, and you know, uh, news quotes and Twitter and, you know, all the things that are now X, I guess, all the things that are out there, it's um, the, the church's voice is very, very public. Before, you had to kind of show up in order to hear what the pastor was saying. It's not like that anymore. And look, there's a lot of people that have opinions about Christianity. Um, and there are some people that that aren't Christians that probably have a better handle on Christian doctrine than some Christians do. It is our job as believers to equip ourselves, and really our job as pastors to equip our people um, to always be prepared to give an answer, um, to to really be you know solidified in the foundational truths of the faith that we can stand firm no matter what comes against us. We have a lot to we have a lot of work to do in this area. Uh, it's not for lack of resource. There's a lot of great resources out there. Uh, I think it, it we really have to push in, and you know there's been a a lot of pastors and and look, I, I, I love pastors. I, I'm a pastor myself. I've been a pastor for 20 plus years. Pastors sometimes are lazy. And I would just speak to pastors out there. And, and it's not that they're not doing something, but I think they're oftentimes doing the wrong thing. And, um, you know, I, I have a passion to help see pastors really find a way to focus their time and attention and energy so they're focusing on the right things to do and not getting caught up in just all the programming and all the things that take so long uh, and, and really take them away of what should be their first job, and that is shepherding their people. Is part of that uh, seeking the transcendence of God? You know, I, I think that—tell um, me more of what you mean by that. Because I think there's probably a lot of nuance there. Well, uh, good. Uh, I think what I'm saying here is that we seem to intellectually have this down pretty good. Uh, but then there's a part of, even in our, even in our conversion, yeah. that's supernatural. And I'm wondering if we have left that out of the equation. Are we really seeking the supernatural transcendence of God back into the situation? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think we ultimately should be, and I appreciate the clarification. It, look, the um, the Christian life is not something that should be a natural experience. We are new creations. We are no longer the same species of being, um, you know, as, as believers. Our flesh might be the same. Our mind might be the same from day one. Um, but our spirit has been transformed. If you, if you are in Christ, you are made a new creation. Our spirit is the same today. It will be for eternity. Um, you know, we have a union with the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. I mean, that that should never be taken for granted. And anybody who thinks they can go through the Christian life just based upon, you know, their academics or intellectualism or or, you know, their hard work, um, it, they're, 
they're mistaken. You, you can't do it and do it successfully. Um, I think that it's very important that we um, that we are always open to, um, you know, uh, what what the, the 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 miraculous of God. And I yeah. think that's part of the problem with wokeism is it's it's pushed this this more human Jesus over the divine. And they've gotten away from Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and they just see him as a social justice warrior. Yeah, well, that's the reason I bring that back into the equation, uh, Lucas, is because um, if that's not part of what we are and what we do and part of our own being, then defending our faith, it almost becomes <laughs> impossible. <laughs> yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, it's... it's um... <sighs> You know, look, I, I see these videos sometimes on social media of, you know, evangelists that are out there. And every now and then you'll have somebody say, I want definitive proof that God is real. And, you know, I can't give you that in the same way that I can't give you definitive proof that the person, you know, driving on the other side of the road is not going to cross over the center line. But yet you take it by faith that they're not and you still drive down that road. Um, life takes faith all the time, all around us. And and spiritual life is, you know, it takes faith. And look, I can give you all sorts of things to point towards the existence of God and history and archaeology and, you know, verifying the biblical account, all of these things. But as a personal testimony, people's lives have been transformed. But at the end of the day, you know, I think that we, we really have to decide, are we going to believe? Are we going to place faith in what Jesus Christ has done? And and that that faith, there's nothing like it. It'll transform your life. It, it you know, God's taken me all over this planet, um, you know, for the sake of the gospel, places I never thought I would be, and I never would experience these things had I not said yes to Jesus. And um, I, I think about how many people are missing out on God's best for their life because they're still living for themselves rather than than really Him. Gosh, that's beautiful. All right, let me take a quick break, folks. Go to lucasmiles.org. That's his website. There you can check out a lot of things, including his book, Woke Jesus. Look for it online as well. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. We'll be back to this week's interview in just a few seconds. In the meantime, we want to let you know that you can watch this interview, plus many more exclusive interviews that happen this week on the Dove's daily TV and radio show by visiting our website, thedove.us. And while you're there, sign up for our free daily devotional, The Word for You Today. Three months of daily readings that will connect you with God's Word. Now, back to the show. delight to have uh, Pastor Lucas Miles with us. He's the host of the Lucas Miles Show there on Epoch TV, Church and State. Uh, he just found out that he had uh, steak and liver for breakfast. I think he's going to have <laughs> buffalo burgers for lunch. <laughs> I eat a lot of meat. <laughs> okay, so most of the cultural battle that we're dealing with today is in complete contrast to nature and nature's God. But then there's another part of this that is coming after us, and I'm not sure if we're ready for it. It's called social justice. It's been around for yeah. quite a while, but it's the other leg of the stool that seems to be infiltrating the church. What's your take? You know, it's interesting. I was actually, um, I was reading something the other day. Uh, it was actually uh, Josephus, which very few people actually read Josephus. They just quote him. Um, and I was reading this account of Herod's early life where Herod went out 
and had basically uh, sort of taken, you know, powers in his own hands and and uh, um, issued justice against this this crime boss that was in Judea. And and there was this big uprising uh, because the mothers of these criminals came up and sort of, you know, rushed the courts and, you know, called him, you know, basically to account over this. And it was very I'm reading this going like I feel like that this is just a repeat of where we've been. It's it's uh, and I'm, I'm not trying to defend Herod was right or wrong in this issue. Of course, he was a monster in most cases. But but what it made me think is that social justice has been a problem really for, you know, all of human history. The difference, though, now is it's being funded differently. And we are seeing sort of this mob rule. And and I think that, you know, um, uh, instigators getting in and organizations getting involved to really push things further in order to create a lot of chaos. The heart behind social justice is that we can do a better job of issuing justice than what God can do. And and that ultimately is a flawed um, starting point, you know, in order to come into an ideology. And so it's so important that we, you know, um, uh, look, there's nothing wrong with getting involved and, and being active in, in causes that you believe in. But if you ever end up to a place to where you feel like that, that there is no justice and unless we do it ourselves, that is that's that's against the biblical paradigm, against the biblical worldview. God ultimately is a just judge. And there will always be justice for for unrighteousness, whether it happens in this life or at the final judgment. I guarantee you no justice or no injustice will be unpaid, um, you know, really that they're going to see the punishment. We're going to see the punishment of the wicked. And I think it's so it's so easy to get distracted by all the hype today and the culture wars. Uh, but as believers, we really have to take, I think, our 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 um, uh, our starting point to be that that justice of God is righteous. Uh, good. I because it. Part of this that concerns me is, and you just made the point, we are now feeling the pressure. This could result in some kind of civil unrest. And if it does, pray that it doesn't, but if it does, then where is the Christian involved in this? Because I think you made a great point here. Are we really trusting the fact that God is the ultimate justice uh, determiner? I mean, mean, the scripture is full of the fact he is just, he is going to take care of it. It, he, nothing gets past him, whether it's now or later at the end, he rules. Do we understand that? I I don't think we do. Um, And look, there's, there's multiple things in this, you know, in order, if we're going to, you know, kind of create a theology of justice, which I talk a little bit about in my book, Woke Jesus, is that, you know, we really have to start with this framework that uh, man is depraved, um, God is good. Uh, God wants to bring about the best for his people. Uh, there is also this element of that only through Christ that we can be redeemed, that we really deserve death. There's nobody. And see, this is the this is the false um, uh, starting point that that I think that this this uh, mob justice begins with is that somehow we deserve better than this other person over here that they're you know going to come after through cancel culture or whatever it is. Um, ultimately, apart from Christ, we all deserve punishment. We all deserve death. We all deserve torment and hell. It's only through what Jesus has done. So God is a, re- is a redeeming God, not a punishing God. The punishment is already in place. We already deserve that. But he is working overtime in order to rescue us from that coming judgment. 
uh, so that we can, you know, really be connected with him. And and so there, there's a lot of theological nuances here that I think are just lost on a lot of people. Um, and I think even those in the church have struggled with this. And, and so, you know, social justice, it's really just a rebranding of the social gospel uh, from the early 1900s, which was a rebranding of the historical Jesus movement and sort of came out of that. Uh, this is all a focus on, on you know, um, really the human Jesus more so than the divine. And I think, you know, we cannot disconnect. God is both, you know, Christ is both God and man. And, and any time that we start elevating one or the other, we're going to fall into some sort of heresy. Have we cluttered the simplicity of the gospel? Gosh, I, I wish that the average Christian could really share the gospel clearly. I think that, um, you know, to be able to tell somebody uh, that, that God is no longer counting men's sins against them through Jesus Christ, that there is this thing called faith righteousness available as a free gift for all who believe by grace through faith, that it's a great exchange. You know, my unrighteousness that I hand down at the foot of the cross and his righteousness that I receive as a gift when I put my faith upon Christ. I, this is this. It's beautiful. There's nothing like it. But the average Christian, I think, doesn't necessarily know that there. We have a rising biblical illiteracy. Um, we have, I think, people that can state certain facts about Scripture, but that's different than the gospel. Uh, Two thousand years ago, great sinners used to flock to Jesus. Now, 2,000 years later, you know, people are running away from the church as fast as they can in many cases uh, because, you know, and the question is, has Jesus changed? No, of course Jesus hasn't changed, but our communication of the gospel has changed. We've deviated from, I believe, the original message in some cases, uh, and it's become about performance. It's become about legalism, or in the, in the woke church, it's become about permissiveness. And, and none of those are the true gospel. The gospel is something that is about him first and foremost. It gives me a way to find freedom and grace and redemption and forgiveness. Um, but ultimately, it's about glorifying Christ. And so that that is, I think, been um, uh, it's been forgotten in some cases. And so I hope that we can revive that. You know, I uh, discovered the other day on Sirius XM, uh, the Billy Graham channel. <laughs> And I'm listening to some of these sermons back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, yeah. and 80s. And uh, let's face it, he was preaching a very clear message. And you're a sinner and you need a savior. That was the essence of it. And Jesus is the savior. Yeah. Uh, but there was an element there, to your point was, there was a conviction yeah. to change. It seems like today we may try to accommodate. It's like come into the church as you are, but you don't really have to change. So we're leaving the transcendent part out of it. You're right. You know, look, there's uh, there's not a deep awareness in culture today that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Um, what you used to have even 20 years ago, I can remember inviting people to church and they would say, well, I can't show up there. If I do, the church might get hit by lightning. You know, yeah. they they were disconnected from God. But there was a respect and a reverence for his holiness, for the fact that they did not uh, measure up. You know, they, they were aware of that part of it. They just weren't aware of his love, his grace and his goodness. And so, you know, when, when I come across somebody who um, and this is this is where let me back up where we have to become very effective at ministry in that there we have multiple things in our toolkits as as Christians. And that one is the grace of God. And that's used in about 80% of situations is that we, we you know, uh, proclaim the grace of God to people. We invite them, you know, that the love of God, this kindness of God is leading people to him. 
But in a, in a growing percentage of, of people, there is a place in order to use the law. And what I mean by that is that if somebody doesn't know that they're a lawbreaker, you have to show them the law. You have to take them through the law of God in order to get them back to a place where they realize like, oh, I didn't know that that was the standard. I just thought if you could be a good person, then that was enough. And the reality is it's not enough. And you can't actually be a good person because there's nobody good but God. Uh, the Bible tells us that. And so, you know, you have to use that to sort of chop the uh, the self-righteous legs under, you know, from underneath them in order to get them back to a point to where they realize, well, what can I do to be saved then? I'm so glad you asked. Let me tell you about the grace and forgiveness of our God. Beautiful. Are you hopeful, Lucas? Are you hopeful? In spite of all these problems, are you hopeful? Perry, I wake up hopeful every day. I, um, I, I feel that that God is just, uh, he's amazing. He never stops working. He is doing incredible things. And look, the, the whole world, you know, can, can, you know, melt around us. But we as believers, we have that blood on the doorpost of our hearts. You know, from the Exodus account, this is what Jesus really came to do. He fulfilled that fully. And and we can be saved through this. There is a there is something that, you know, I mean, look, the worst they can do is kill you. And if you're a believer, that ain't so bad either. And so, you know, we have to get rid of this defeatist message, this kind of Eeyore, woe is me sort of Christianity. Uh, we should be living victorious lives. We should be living excited, joy-filled lives every single day. Look, culture's a mess. Shocking. People don't know Jesus. I'm not, I'm not surprised by that. As long as there are people that don't know Jesus, the world is going to be a mess. But it's our job to take that message to them, and it's our job to shine, you know, his light, goodness, et cetera, even during difficult times. And I would say especially during difficult times, and that will act as a witness to this world and that they might see the light, you know, of, of Christ in us and really, you know, uh, call upon Jesus as their Savior. That's the goal. Beautiful. Got a minute. What are you up to? What's what's going on? Where are you going? Yeah. So um, lots of new stuff happening here. Um, we are. We I mentioned earlier. We've partnered with Walt Hire. We've taken on uh, SexChangeRegret.org. So that's underneath the Influence Network now. We're training up more volunteers. Walt's been responding to him by himself for a long time. We're we're really you know kind of uh, giving some more support in that area. We we feel that that's going to be a major issue the church has to be ready for in the future. We're, we're hoping to become kind of the national leader in that space. Um, uh, we're partnering with a couple other groups right now as well. Um, I have, uh, uh, you know, still doing some book tour stuff. I'm in, um, uh, 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 Andrew Womack's Truth and Liberty Conference next week in Woodland Park. Oh. The following week, I'll be at Turning Point USA's Pastors Conference. And you are a faculty member over at Summit. You guys do a great job over there. Yep. You and Dr. Myers. summer with them. Yeah, you and Dr. Myers. You guys are just wonderful over there. Hey, thanks, buddy. Good to see you. Uh, hope you, you get some sleep. <laughs> Thanks, Barry. Appreciate it. All right. God bless. Thank you for listening to this week's Focus Today podcast. Remember, you can visit our website to check out all the interviews we did this week on our daily Focus Today TV show at thedove.us. And if you like this podcast, please take a moment to rate us and share it with your friends.